Hi, welcome to Coping with COVID-19. I'm Tyler Orton here at Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. So I think we all know that launching a startup, even in pre-pandemic times, is already considered backbreaking. Anything from bad timing to a misread on the market can cause hard work and a fantastic idea to collapse without warning. So what about navigating the launch of a startup during a pandemic? Our guest today can add some insight into that very topic. Chris Hurd is the CEO of Olive. It's a tech startup headquartered right here in Vancouver that specializes in streamlining decision-making for IT products and services. Chris, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Appreciate it. So as you and your team were able to assist or I guess assess the pandemic, what were some of the main concerns that you guys had as you realized the seriousness of what was going down just a few months ago? I I mean, it was, I I think like everybody, um, this one came a little more out of the blue than than many major global events have uh, in previous years. And so assessing it was, um, was something we had to do very rapidly. One thing that is interesting about being in a startup is that while um, it's incredibly high risk and incredibly difficult, incredibly challenging, the one benefit that we have is our ability to pivot. As a small and nimble company, uh, we can make changes and we can make decisions uh, pretty rapidly and, uh, and affect those changes. So uh, you know, typically for us, we actually had quite a lot of customers in the restaurant space, so large restaurant chains uh, working with us. And of course, that was uh, an industry that was impacted more than many. So being quite a nimble startup and being able to move, we were actually able to pivot and look at other verticals and identify, okay, well, who is not in that same scenario right now and who is still operating and who is still running business and, and where can we help? So I think that you know the immediate impact for us was thinking about our customers, how can we support the existing restaurant customers? Um, how can we maintain that connection there while also ensuring that the business keeps going on and keeps pushing forward? Um, and for us, that just meant sort of this micro pivot in terms of our messaging and, uh, and which sort of verticals we were targeting. Well, it's interesting. Uh, tell me a little bit, just I, I gave a bit of an intro there about what you guys specialize in, but maybe expand on that just a tiny bit and then tell me how the, the pandemic has had like kind of a direct impact on what you guys do and the way that you guys had to pivot, as you said, just a, a little bit in order to kind of keep abreast of what's going on right now and across the world. Yeah, so for, for context, uh, what we do is we help streamline enterprise technology evaluations. So if you are looking at digital transformation, if you're looking at uh, new technologies, replacing old technologies, or maybe just making a shift within your existing stack, Um, Olive essentially delivers the value that you would get from a digital consultant within software. So what we enable you to do is innovate much faster at a much lower cost to the business and ensure success. And so for us, what was interesting is that while budgets are considerably tighter post-pandemic, cash is very very hard to come by for, for new technologies. The flip side of that is that a lot of companies have realized that they were caught flat-footed from a digital perspective and that their technology wasn't really enabling them to move forward and to innovate the way that they should be. Um, And something like a pandemic really highlights uh, the lack of innovation within the company. Uh, And so what we found is that while cash is tight, that innovation isn't slowing down. 
And so actually the need for the obvious ones are video communication tools that we're talking on today, but there's a whole wealth of digital innovation, particularly in the restaurant industry, like contactless payments, um, new POS systems that are essential for this new world. And so um, while initially we had an impact from uh, sort of an outreach standpoint, while we focused and sort of hunkered down more on focusing on our existing customers and figuring out a bit more strategy, as soon as we popped our heads out again, we realized that companies are actually driving innovation much faster now than they were pre-pandemic. And the amount of money they have to spend on those processes is considerably less. So finding a solution where you can innovate faster for less cost, we actually find ourselves in an interesting position where we could be in that um, one of those few companies that during recessions and during downturns can actually have the effect of transforming an industry simply by being at the right place at the right time. And that's really what I'm fascinated by, because obviously you guys are seeing an opportunity where much of the economy might be grinding to the halt, but you guys can kind of weave through all of that and see where the opportunity lies. But tell me about some of the challenges that might face you guys right now. If you guys are kind of locked down, you're not able to interact with your very tight crew as you would every day, or, or just going around and meeting new potential customers. Yeah, uh, I'm an enterprise salesperson myself. That's what I've always done. So I'm an in-person handshaker kind of person. That's that's my bag. And uh, and obviously that was impacted. I actually uh, was at a conference earlier this year, uh, which I think may have been one of the last conferences ever in the world. And uh, it was it was a very interesting experience to be almost. We were already social distancing at that point during this conference, and it was very interesting. Since then, you know, we found not meeting customers in person has an impact. Uh, it slows down sales cycles. It means that we have to meet more and more. So there's more and more meetings because to build that trust takes a lot longer. So from a customer perspective, I think that while you know our solution particularly is all online and actually helps to reduce the amount of meetings needed for the evaluation process, in our own sales cycles, we're seeing the impact of that inability to actually meet and shake hands, uh, particularly as a lot of our customers are in the US. So I you know, won't be on a plane for another 12 months. Uh, which, which obviously makes that challenging. From a team perspective, we've actually been relatively remote for quite a while. So since about November last year, I've had to be in the UK for a while. My um, co-founder was out in Seattle and I was down in Seattle for a while. And so our team has been relatively dispersed for about six to nine months anyway. And so we actually figured out a good cadence of how to maintain good contact, daily standups, uh, weekly metrics reviews, um, and ensuring that we're constantly in touch with each other. We've actually managed from a team perspective to keep in touch, which has been fantastic. Um, and then now as things are opening up a little bit more, we're having some sort of social distance meetings in our boardroom, uh, keeping distance apart, but at least being able to see each other. So, um, you know, I think that it, it's a change for everybody. Everybody's going through it. But again, I think that being a small, more nimble company and being very tech enabled has helped us to weather the storm a little bit. So have social distance sales calls become kind of the norm? Are you able to kind of meet up with people, but you're going to have to stay two meters away or are people still mostly preferring to do the old, you know, Zoom chat, for example? So a lot of our customers are in IT and uh, CIOs uh, and IT managers, et cetera. And I think that it's fairly novel for them to be working from home. So I actually think that regardless of, uh, whether or not you can meet in a social distance environment. I think quite a lot of people are quite enjoying working from home. So then most people, most of our customers are taking the Zoom meetings anyway. Um, you know, there are certainly from an investor standpoint, investors definitely want to be seeing 
in person. They want to meet you. They want to be able to meet you. So having that meeting in a boardroom where you can have a little bit of distance, but at least get that look into someone's eyes and 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 feel the you know build that trust from them. That is that's happening, but it's very slow. And again, you know, being most of our customers and investors being in the U.S., it makes it incredible. It makes that impossible for us. Um, you know, outside of Vancouver. To, to have any even social distance meetings. Well, I'm curious. You brought up investors, of course, and you guys are in the midst of a capital raise, if I recall correctly. Tell me a little bit how that experience is going, especially if, as you say, you can't fly down to the Silicon Valley and rub elbows down there. Well, we can do the elbow tap. I think that sure. <laughs> it's funny that you bring up rubbing elbows. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting time to be raising capital. Uh, the, of course, there are terms coming out that are stricter than you would normally get pre-pandemic. Valuations are considerably lower. However, there is a lot of capital. People are sitting a lot of capital. There was more capital raised last year um, than ever in history. And, and VCs are now sitting on more what we call dry powder or, or uh, available capital than ever. And so it's there and it's available. The, the challenge is that particularly if you're meeting new investors and particularly for us being a Canadian company, we already have a barrier of being in a, in a different country. As close as we think we are to the US, there is still a, a big difference. So we have to overcome that barrier. And then with the inability to meet in person, what we're, what we're finding is that we're having to meet again with much more members of the team. Uh, we're getting introduced to portfolio companies earlier and more often to, uh, so they can run their own due diligence on us. And so really it's just taking, the whole process is taking a lot longer and there's a lot more due diligence. That being said, what I think is um, the general consensus in not just Silicon Valley, but of all technology investors now, is that these times can often be the opportunities when technology companies are, it's the ideal time to invest. And the reason why is, if we look at the previous recession in 2008, you know, I was in the UK at the time, we got hammered, I know Canada um, rate, rode that one fairly smoothly, but it, it, of course, you know, in America and the UK, 2008 was a huge impact, and what actually happened is we saw incredible innovation in various industries, Uber, WhatsApp, Instagram, Groupon, you know, the, the list goes on and on of companies that were started then. And I think that investors are aware of that. Investors are aware that if you can find companies that are in potentially a game changing business, that have um, a product that's viable, that's proven out in the market already, at least, you know, early, early signs of it then this is actually a really good opportunity to get involved in those kind of companies uh, because really at our stage, we're an early stage company. Uh, we're not raising a series B, series C super growth round. And so for us, investors and ourselves are looking at this as very long term. So we're looking at not where this company is going to be in two years, but where this company is going to be in six years or where this company is going to be in 10 years. And when you look at that kind of time horizon, uh, you realize that the pandemic the recession, these are all, um, you know, fingers crossed, temporary moments in time. And so that if we can get through this storm and you can be one of those game-changing companies, you come out on the other side considerably stronger than you, than you went in. So I think that while you know, the pandemic is making it challenging to uh, build that early, early trust with investors, I think the opportunity um, is, is, is immense. And if, if you can find the right market to be in and you can find the right technology to provide to people, I think it's actually a really good time to be out raising capital and to be to be building business. Well, in terms of capital and not necessarily kind of venture capital, but just the the 
cold hard cash that you need to run a business. Um, have you guys been able to tap into any of the federal measures that have been introduced, whether it's the CBA, the Canada Emergency Business Account, or else maybe the uh, wage subsidy of 75%? Are, are these things of use to a startup in your position? Or has it been, well, hey, we can get by, why necessarily tap into those things if we don't need to? So there's, there's certainly been programs available. Um, we took advantage of the, the IRAP. So there was a, a COVID-specific IRAP program that was released this year. Uh, we obviously, as a technology company, we have quite um, high engineering costs. And so we were able to take advantage of that. Um, there were other programs, such as wage subsidies, that we could take advantage of. Um, but particularly, I think maybe this is influenced because a lot of our customers are restaurant chains. We just felt that there's a lot of businesses that are in a position where their business cannot run without these um, sort of packages. For us, our business was ticking along. You know, we've we've been able to pivot, we've been able to raise capital, we've been able to uh, gain customers. And I understand and our team understands that there is a limited amount of um of, of cash available from the government for these programs. And so we just, we felt that unless we absolutely need it, there's other businesses out there. I have a friend who runs a, a coffee shop, for example, you know, that's, that's the sort of business that really needed the support uh, throughout this, this crisis. And so we just felt as an organization that um, unless we needed it, unless we really, really needed it, it wasn't our place to, to take it. Well, what about overhead costs? Have they become more burdensome? Have you guys locked out in any degree? Or have you guys been able to cut some certain overhead costs that are able to keep you guys afloat just a little bit longer? So I think our timing, we were very lucky with our timing uh, with all of this. We were getting to the point where we were considering uh, hiring more people, bringing more people on, uh, throwing a bunch of capital at it and, and going gung-ho for it. When this happened, we have a very lean team. We have very low overheads. Um, in fact, our office downtown where I am right now, uh, we paid very, very little. We've got an incredible deal on this, on this office space. And so our overheads are actually really, really low. And I think that we could have been in a position, had this happened four or five months later, where we could have brought new people on and we could have been in a very different conversation. However, because we've been able, we've been scrappy so far. You know, we've spent two years being scrappy and building this thing from a very small team. Uh, we're used to being scrappy. And so we haven't had the need to make any layoffs. We haven't had the need to furlough anybody. Um, everybody stayed employed. Um, and it's the same team. And in, in actual fact, our team's actually been 30% more productive during the pandemic. Uh, I'm not sure whether that's just because we're so small, we have a passion about it, because we're a small team, we're a little family unit um, that's just passionate and kind of doubles down. Um, or whether it's working from home <laughs> more often, maybe we shouldn't be in the office and we should all be, we should all be working home forever. Uh, I'm not quite sure, but uh, yeah, for us, we've been, we've been pretty lucky in terms of costs. So what's your take? Because obviously you guys have still been able to stay successful as a startup during the pandemics. Do you think you guys are the rule right now? Do you think you're the exception? Do you think it's a little bit difficult to tell just based on the landscape that is still very uncertain? That's a great question. I think it's really hard to know. It's, it's difficult because we're in our own world, right? We are our own world and it's difficult for us to apply that to everybody. Interestingly enough, we were in a program called Techstars uh, in, the, in the US this year with nine other startups uh, of different, all from different industries and, and different stages. And we saw a big change in sort of the, you know, the view of each of these startups throughout the program. At the start of the program, certain companies were uh, leading the pack. And, and as we moved on, it sort of moved around. And I, I think that 
it's, it's hard to say that being successful in a pandemic, everyone should start a business immediately. Let's go out and all start businesses because it's all going to work. I don't think that's the case. But I do think that um, where some companies are going to struggle and be really, really impacted by this pandemic, some companies are going to benefit. And particularly in technology, it's going to be a mixed bag. I think it's really hard for us to say this is the rule. What I would say is, from my personal experience, just speaking, this is completely from uh, anecdotal, but the last time there was a recession, uh, I was working in the UK. And I was selling life insurance. And I actually managed to meet and marry my now wife, move to Canada and start a new career in technology, um, all within that recession. And I think a lot of it was about just taking risks because I didn't have a lot to lose. And I think that, you know, whether it's whether we're an exception or whether we're a rule, I think the, the rule still stands that, you know, if you have the opportunity to try something now uh, and it's something that you believe can survive throughout uh, throughout recession, throughout the pandemic, I think this is, in my opinion, is it's actually no riskier than it was pre-pandemic to, to start building a business. I think it's a great opportunity. Well, maybe on that note, what is your takeaway? And I know it's very early on into this pandemic, but are, are you guys benefiting from the acceleration of certain trends that other companies might be looking into, especially with you, what you guys are doing? Or do you think the company, what you guys would have been doing, you would have been better off, there would have been more stability had this pandemic never unfolded? Now, that's a tough question to ask. Uh, Stability is nice. Um, I think comfy shoes are nice, uh, but sometimes you just got to try on something different. And uh, it's really hard to know. There's there's definitely a move towards digital transformation. 100% now companies are thinking about transformation more than ever. And we're speaking to mining companies, to insurance companies. These are historically what we call technology laggards, um, not really driving the forefront of innovation. And even these industries now, have mandates to innovate in the digital space. And so I do think that digital transformation has been accelerated. Uh, I do think that our ability to help those companies innovate is advantaging us. And I also think there's lots of other opportunities for various other technologies in outdated spaces. I was just talking to a a founder recently about uh, taking wills and putting them online. A, A really super early stage startup, but in an industry that's very outdated. And now is a really great opportunity to start taking an outdated business and and making a new business model out of it. So, um, you know, my takeaway from this whole thing is whether it's going to make us better or not, it's in the past. It's happened. I don't think we can can dwell on whether or not it would have been better without it or or with it. We just have to knuckle down and say, this is where it is today. And we need to do the best we can with within the realms of the pandemic and within the world that we're in today. And that's all we can do. Um, so whether it's better or worse, I think um, that mindset doesn't really change. Well, my last question is what advice can you give people? But I think that's actually some pretty solid advice right there. And I think it is going to be amazing to watch this transformation unfold. It's stuff that we can't imagine three months in that's going to happen in like six months, a year from now. It's going to be fascinating to see that happen. And I want us to follow up in a few months. Let's see where you are at that point. And Hopefully, you guys will still be uh, seizing on all those opportunities that seem to be emerging, even in a situation that we prefer probably not to happen. But uh, for now, Chris, I want to thank you for joining us on the show. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it. That's Chris Hurd, CEO of Olive, and that's it for the show today. We'll be back tomorrow. But in the meantime, go to BIV.com for more interviews and more stories. 